Amen. Praise forever to the King of Kings, the King of Kings who entered into the world in a manger. The reality is, is not many kings have been born that way. <laughs> Even earthly kings, most come from a line. They, <laughs> they are gifted that. But yet the King of Kings was born in a manger after leaving the, <laughs> the splendor of heaven. As we continue to worship today, we're always reminded of the importance of being good stewards. Uh, the baskets at the, on the tables are for tithes and offerings, and, but, uh, but being a good steward is, is much more than that. It is about uh, allowing God to use all the gifts that, we have, that He has given us uh, to further His t- kingdom, to make a difference for Him. Um, and uh, that we use our time and our talents, our energy, our relationships, our emotions, all of those blessings that God has given us, that we use those uh, to, to make a difference in His kingdom. Um, I do uh, want to uh, quickly uh, remind you, and I meant to do this, Chris, there's a slide at the very beginning that you can, you can text to get on our uh, text uh, um, line. And uh, I think it's texting uh, Journey Elgin, right? Yeah, Journey Elgin to 94,000. And for, for all the schedules and things like that, it'll come out on, on that. So there'll be a reminder that we have service tonight. There'll be a reminder that uh, service is only uh, uh, once next week. So, so you can always uh, do that and, and be re- reminded of that. And uh, tomorrow is the third Monday, so we'll, we'll have our, our truth seeker uh, gathering on a, uh, at seven o'clock t- tomorrow night as well. So, and all of that will come uh, through through the text, uh, so that you'll be reminded. Um, I needed a text to remind me to say that earlier at the first of the service, but it did not come through. So, <laughs> but thank you, Chris. So today we are going to uh, to think about Emmanuel and what that means, um, and and obviously. It, simply means God with us, um, which is a great thought. Uh, but what does, that, what does that mean? How does that impact us? Uh, and I want us to start off uh, just watching a, a, a quick uh, video uh, talking about Emmanuel, God with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Nothing was made without Him. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The whole world is made through him, except the world doesn't recognize him. But there are others who do believe in him. They run to him from the fields and journey from far away, carrying only hope and curiosity. They didn't know where the road would lead or what others would think of them. But they believe in his name. And to these, he gives the right to become children of God. The word became human and he made his home among us so we could see his glory 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God made known to us, not on a throne of power, but in a cradle of peace. Emmanuel, God with us. See, Emmanuel, God with us. That's a, it's a phrase that actually divides. It inspires a choice. Are you going to believe that? Are you going to live that way? Are you going to truly trust that God is with us? And the reality is, is there's, there are those who, who don't want to believe that and who will not believe that. And so the thought of God being with us is offensive. God with us is a powerful, powerful statement. You know, sometimes we, we make the mistake of, of thinking that God with us, that the, the first time that happened was when Jesus was born. That's not the case. God has always been with us. He has always been present. Now, this was unique. It was a different way. But yet God had been with us. And people were having to choose whether to live that way or not from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 28, numerous verses, 28, 15, it's talking about Jacob. This is after he has stolen the birthright from Esau, and he doesn't know what his future holds, and he has a vision, and God speaks to him and says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God was with us. God was with Jacob. But Jacob had to choose to believe that. He had to choose to hold on to that. In Exodus 33, 14, this is Moses after the, after the incident with the golden calf. I think he, he was... <coughs> He wasn't at a real good place at that point. He had just experienced God giving the Ten Commandments, giving the law, and he goes down and the people were in complete rebellion. But the Lord replied to Moses, says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. God is with us. But Moses had to choose to keep going had to choose to trust that God was going to be with him. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, the spies have gone out into the promised land. They've looked at the land. They've seen that it is, it is worth going into, but yet they are terrified and they are afraid. And they come back and they tell the people that we can't do it. And Moses 
listens to Joshua and Caleb and listens to God and is trying to implore them to make the right decision. And he says in Numbers 14, 9, he says, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But yet the people rejected. <laughs> they began wandering for 40 years. But you know what? God was still with them. <laughs> but they didn't trust Him. They didn't believe that that was the case. They made a decision based on their own trust, trust in their own strength. And they knew they couldn't do it. They didn't make a decision trusting that God was with them. Psalm 46, you see it throughout the Psalms. Psalm 46, 7 says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That He is truly with us. That He is present and of course, we get into the New Testament. We know, and we'll read here in a minute, about the, where we first see Emmanuel. But throughout the New Testament, we are reminded that God is with us even after the death and resurrection of Christ. He continues to be with us. John 17, verses 20 through 21. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right? He wants us to know that we are in him, that he is with us. Right? This is his prayer right before he's about to be crucified. So he knows he's not going to physically be here anymore, but he wants us to know that he is still with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Do we know that? <laughs> Do we live that way? That you are God's temple, that He created you, that He is with you, that He is present, that God is with us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. This is how we know that we live in Him and He is in us. He has given us His Spirit. We can know that, but we have to choose to believe it. And yeah, can you, uh, <laughs> can you prove it with, with the scientific method? No. That doesn't mean it make it any less true. Science doesn't tell us what is true. He is present with us. And then we have that rem reminder that one day he will be present in another new way. Revelation 21, 3 through 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. (laughs) That God's dwelling place is now among the people. That he dwells with us. That God will physically be present with us. See, God has been with us from the beginning. That in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, I love, I love that thought and that idea of God being with us, of Emmanuel. It is a It's a powerful thought. It's also also a powerful statement. (laughs) And it's not an easy one to say and truly believe. You know, most of us are, are more comfortable saying that we believe things that we can tangibly prove, <laughs> that, that people can't question. People can't push back against. This isn't one of those statements. People are going to challenge it. And in fact, if we truly believe it, if we truly believe that God is with us, then what is going to push back against that statement is pretty dark. (laughs) Because if we believe that God is with us, then we believe that there is a spiritual world out there. Then we believe that, that the rest of what he said is true because we see that the whole Bible is filled with him reminding us that he is with us. But it also says that the light enters into what? The darkness. That he enters into the difficulty. He enters into the mess. So this statement of that God is with us is an offense to the darkness. The darkness doesn't want the light. The darkness what doesn't want its actions to be revealed. So while while saying God is with us may make us feel good if we truly believe it. It's also it's also a little scary. Which is why this can't be something trite that we just say and sing at Christmas. It needs to be something we live that is part of who we are. That we truly believe that God is with us. And that directs how we live. You know, in Matthew chapter 1, it is looking back at a passage in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 7. I want to read the situation that it came from. right? Um, Because this, at the time, certainly would not have been viewed as a prophecy of something to happen hundreds of years later. right? But, uh, But that's what Matthew, that's what they realized as they were looking at this. But this 
This was a, is a, a powerful situation, and it's important to know the context of what is going on here. And, and what, what is happening is you have, of course, the northern and the southern kingdom have been split. The this northern kingdom is getting really close to, to being wiped out. And so you have Assyria, right, who is going to eventually take them out. And so the northern kingdom has partnered with Syria, right? It kind of gets confusing. Uh, they have partnered with Syria, and they are wanting the southern kingdom, Judah, to partner with them to fight against Assyria. Right? Does that make sense? Because right? I really do believe this is it's important to understand what's going on. Well, Judah, the king Ahaz, does not want to do that. So the northern kingdom, the Israel and uh, Syria have now put pressure and they are kind of militarily putting pressure on the southern kingdom. Right? Now little do they know, because <laughs> just reading this, you kind of feel like the king Ahaz is the, the good guy here, the king of Judah. The reason that he doesn't want to partner with Israel, who by the way are his own people, yes they've split, but they are all part of the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. The reason he's not going to support them is because he's already made a backroom deal with Assyria. All right? So there's a lot going on here. Chapter 7 in Isaiah. When Ahaz, king of Judah, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king resident of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told Aram and has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. So the heart of Ahaz, king of Judah, has been shaken because Israel has partnered with Syria. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Jeshub, man, simpler names, please, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and do not be afraid. Do not lose heart, because these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Razin and Aram and the son of Ramalia, Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart, and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tobiel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. This is Isaiah talking to the king of Judah. For the head of Aram is in Damascus. The head of Damascus is only in Rezin. Within uh, uh, 65 years, Ephraim, which that is Israel, will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Right? So Isaiah is bringing the word of the Lord to King Ahaz. And he's saying, Israel and Syria, they are going to be wiped out, which they would be. Right? And, he's saying, and then he goes in to say, because their head is in these different places. What is he saying? Because they are not seeking after me. Right? The king of Israel is seeking to find, to put his trust in a partnership with the king of Syria. He's not putting his trust in God. 
So he's saying they are going to be gone. And he says to King Ahaz, says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Right? Then he goes on, he says, and again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Okay, now this is important to understand the full context. You don't get it here. It doesn't mention it. This comes across as King Ahaz being very pious. Oh, I'm not supposed to test the Lord. Well, if the Lord asks you, says, hey, test me, then you probably can. (laughs) King Ahaz is being pious, coming across as he's this humble servant of God. But yet, the reason he's doing that is because he knows he's already made a deal with Assyria. So he is going to be bailed out by Assyria, not God. That's where he has put his trust. Then it goes on. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will, be, uh, will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. So, what the prophecy in the immediate is, is basically that Isaiah, his wife, is going to have a son. They're going to call him Emmanuel. And before he turns about 12 years old, which is the point at which you can know what is right and what is wrong, Israel will be destroyed. But there's a much bigger picture here. Because this king, Ahaz, is not putting his trust in God. He is not a heroic figure. In fact, the king of Judah... And Judah, they will eventually succumb as well to Babylon down the road. Why? Because they are not putting their trust in God. They are not living under the truth that God is with us. They would rather make deals. They would rather put their trust in human engagements and in human solutions, not trusting God. Emmanuel means God with us. And what does that mean for us? It it means that no matter what you are going through, that God is present with you. And He wants you to put your trust solely in Him. That doesn't mean that you don't engage in the world around you. That doesn't mean that you don't pay attention to what's going on in the world. But your trust has to be solely in Him. That He is with us. And it changes the outlook of your life. It doesn't mean things are going to be easy. And in fact, in fact, it can sometimes make it worse. Because imagine being just a normal peon in Israel or Judah. 
during this time, who trusts God, who believes that God is with us. And you have your king, one of them partnering with Syria, attacking your brethren in the south. And you have the guy in the south who's being all pious, but he's actually partnered with the group that you know is stronger than you and is going to wipe you out. And you're sitting there yelling, why don't we just trust in the God who is with us? Why don't we try that? And so these people would experience some horrific stuff. But guess what? God was still with them. And I do think it's important for us to put this a little bit to what does that mean today? Where is our trust? Is our trust truly that God is with us? I think individually that is still the case for many, many people. But it is not on a societal level at all. And you know what eventually happens whenever a people that have a foundation of knowing that God is with them, people of Israel, people of Judah, had a foundation of knowing that God was with them. And then they chose to reject that. When you have this mixture of people who still hold on to believing that God is with us, but yet the society now that they're part of is rejecting that, it can lead to really bad bad outcomes. Which means... You need to make sure you continue to believe that God is with you, even if He's not, even if the society around you does not believe that anymore. And we need to be teaching that to our kids because the world is not. And I I hesitate because I, I do try to be respectful and I understand that we are we are clearly in a spiritual battle that is going on. Right? And, and right now, we are starting to see again in our country some turmoil because of a, another variant that's coming up. And the fear is spreading quickly. And it, it, it was weird. It, this happened over Thanksgiving. Right? This was the first mention of it. And now it's starting to spread. And you have places closing down. You have more uh, lockdowns. You have shutdowns. You have all this stuff. We have uh, leadership that's saying it's going to be a very dark and, and horrible winter and, and all of these things. And, and right now, all of the actual evidence, all the actual data we have is that overall, this is pretty much just a cold. Yeah, it, it's a variant of COVID, yes. But, it, but it's, not, it's not killing people across the world making a lot of people sick. But one thing that it's also doing is it's showing that, and again, the the spirit of the age has made everything political, and people will immediately hear certain things, and they will tune you out. It, It is showing that the vaccines, which by the way, I am vaccinated. I am not against vaccines. It's showing that the vaccines are not effective against it. And here's why that's important. Here is why that is important. It's not because of any of that stuff. It's because we as a people have been told and convinced to put our trust in what? What have you heard for the last two years across two administrations? 
This is not political. This is a spiritual battle that is going on. What have we been hearing? Trust the science. And now it's showing the science isn't working. And we are starting to panic. Why? Because we are putting our trust in the wrong thing. We are trusting the science. If we had one leader of our country that had the spiritual maturity and the nerve to get up in front of the people and say, listen, we are going to use the brilliance of our scientists, the gift of science that has been given by God that was started because people loved the Lord and loved creation and wanted to find out about creation and that has led to penicillin, led to breakthroughs that have done amazing things for our society. And we are going to use them and we're going to do all the resources we can. But we are going to put our trust in God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And it's going to be rough and there are going to people who who perish and it's terrifying and it's sad. But we're going to put our trust in God. We are not putting our trust in science because science is human made and it is pagan. And I, over the past week, what I've seen happen Whenever even the data, the scientific data, doesn't demand people freaking out and being in fear, and you have people freaking out and being in fear, that is a a, a dark, coming from a dark place. Because people now are afraid and they are not turning to God. And I honestly, I don't know where that leads on the big picture. But I know for me, that I believe that God is with us. And you know what? Use all the scientific means to make yourself safe and to protect. But do not be in fear. We cannot. And the spirit of the age is using this to paralyze us and to paralyze generations to come. Unless we stand up and we say, no, God is with us. That is where we put our trust. And I'm no longer putting my trust in any human authority. Because Satan manipulates that. He cannot manipulate the fact that God is with us. You know what, this Christmas, as we are still, and we're still going to be going through some difficult times, and, and these prophecies back then, The people still knew the truth that God was with them, but they endured a lot of tragedy. You know what? Because the more you put your trust in human institutions, the worse things are going to get. And so they may get bad, and it may get difficult, it may get contentious. But we can choose to trust in the one who is with us, the one who created you the one who created the world around us, the one who entered into this world as a baby and was laid in a germ-ridden manger. (laughs) And he didn't care. And he overcame. And he overcomes sin and death. And it is time that we have to make sure we live knowing that God is with us. And it changes where you put your trust. 
And it also makes you choose the right and reject the wrong. And when the spiritual battle is going on, there are lines. And we better be finding where those lines are and choosing the right and not choosing the wrong. And the right side is always the side that chooses to put their trust and to believe that God is with us. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your message. The message of encouragement, the message of hope, even in a world that has turned its back on you. And Lord, I pray that you will give us the courage to trust that you are who you say that you are. That you are present in this place. That you are with us. Lord, give us the strength to stand firm. To stand firm and to stand for you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us enough to enter into this world and to prove that you are with us. In Jesus' name we ask him. Amen.